Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Joining me right now, David Bonson. He's founder, managing partner, and chief investment officer of the Bonson Group, a national private wealth management firm with offices in Newport Beach, New York City, Nashville, and Minneapolis. They manage over $3.5 billion in client assets, and David is consistently named as one of the top financial advisors in America by Barron's, Forbes, Financial Times, frequent guest on CNBC, Bloomberg, Fox Business, and a regular contributor to National Review and World Magazine. Uh, last time David was with us, we talked about his book, The Crisis of Responsibility, and more recently, he has a best-selling economics book called There's No Free Lunch, 250 Economic Truths. It's good to see you again, David. Thanks. Good to see you as well. You know, I don't know if I told you this story uh, when we talked a few years ago, but uh, many, many years ago, I heard a tape of your father. Mm. And he made a statement in that that has stuck with me to this day. I've repeated it. And that is the first law of economics is scarcity. And the first law of politics is to deny the first law of economics. Yeah. Which <laughs> I don't know if that was original with him, yeah. but but uh, I've remembered it to this day. And uh, there's no free lunch. There is scarcity. There's yeah. Let's talk about why it is that people don't, get that fundamental understanding that you can't have redistribution of wealth without creation of wealth. Yeah. Uh, the, the, every, we, everywhere we look, there's scarcity. People don't have all that they want or even all that they need. I, I think first I should, uh, to give proper attribution, I'm almost certain that Dad stole that line from Thomas Sowell. Okay. I believe, <laughs> right. I, I believe that it is a Thomas Sowell line, and, and yet uh, both of them were, were brilliant in their own right. Uh, you know, the, the concept of no free lunch captures scarcity, yeah. and it captures the reality of wealth creation as a, a prerequisite to any wealth to distribute yeah. in whatever format. But what it does is it carries this concept called trade-offs. Um, I think No Free Lunch does more than just establish scarcity or acknowledge scarcity. It then refers to what we as humans in our human action and in our God-created uh, dimensions do about scarcity. We accept trade-offs. Right. And, and the line that I'm fond of is all trade-offs mean is that in order for me to get something I want, I have to get rid of something I want. And so that process by which we we sort of calculate, do calculation, and make these decisions in how we allocate resources, this becomes the foundation of economics. And most bad economics really does come from some form of denying trade-offs. Yeah. Fascinating. That's great. I, I love these kind of basic understandings because I think that's what's missing in so much popular conversation today. Yeah. The, the idea, for instance, that you can somehow pass laws without uh, also uh, increasing coercion. I mean, yeah. the very nature of passing a law is to coerce. And yeah. it doesn't sound nice, but it really is because the this, this government can do something that I can't. They have... They have the legitimate use of force, yeah. which I don't uh, in that way. Um, the economics is often uh, neglected because people don't make the transition from having to balance their own budget, balance their own checkbook, or whatever they balance anymore, um, 
with with the the fact that nations have responsibilities to balance mm. uh, they, they think it's too big that the the basic principles that they live by uh, somehow don't apply to the macro world uh, of the state yeah um, do those basic principles apply yeah they're universal yeah they're universal and so the principles apply to individuals and to families and to small businesses, and then to large businesses, and then also, yes, to even sovereign nations. And uh, with each step up that ladder of size and complexity, there's different dimensions to it, different consequences to violating the universal principles, but the universal principles all apply. But it is a temptation in modern times to believe that up the ladder at the sovereign nation level, that there is an immunity from math, or from logic, yeah, yeah. and unfortunately, not only is there not, but in fact, the consequences are most severe. They loom under the surface most of the time, so we don't see it, we don't worry about it, we don't think about it, and then when, lo and behold, it comes to fruition, it tends to be quite catastrophic. Yeah. Uh, just get your fix on uh, how the U.S. government has handled uh the, ec- the negative economic consequences of COVID with the large PPE plans and loans, grants, whatever they are, mm-hmm. that given away. Is that part of the problem we're having inflation today? Well, the, the bulk of the problems we're having from COVID, um, it isn't how the government handled those problems. It's that most of them, the government created those problems. Okay. And I think that there would have been an economic contraction if the government had done nothing. If they had stayed out of it entirely, there would have been a significant diminishing of activity sure. and production. Sure. But what happened with the forced lockdowns is it really did um, exaggerate how much contraction we suffered, which then caused the government to say we have to fix this problem that we've created. So they injected this massive amount of both fiscal and monetary stimulus. Um, I believe that there is a tremendous impact from that into inflation, but I don't think it's the same a lot of my friends and colleagues do. I believe the worst thing they did for inflation was in shutting down the economy, failing to realize how quickly demand would come back because humans act. Humans want their freedom and their lives. And yet the supply side of the economy was totally unprepared for it. And then you combine that with uh, 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 backtracking of production in oil and gas and with the labor shortage, which I do think was exacerbated by the governmental spending bill. They incentivized people to leave the workforce. That became sticky. And all of these things served as a perfect storm into the present cyclical inflation we have. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think... For a lot of us, we just don't don't understand that they're going to be constant. If you pay people not to work, yeah. you, you're you're encouraging uh, habits. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's as though they don't seem to understand that human beings have, well, depending on what Christian tradition you're part of, a sin nature or concupiscence or whatever. Yeah. And people tend, to, they also have the physical problems of entropy. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> once, you, once you get out of the habit of getting up every day and going to work, it's a little harder and, to get and, back into and it. And not just the habit um, and the motivation and the discipline, but then the preparedness. When they get back to work, they're, uh, uh, let's say they've been out of the game for 12 to 18 months. 
they're a year removed from interaction with peers, right. from maybe a difficult boss, from having the skills to know how to be sort of savvy dealing with customers and yep. coworkers. There's a certain kind of um, benefit that comes from just showing up, yeah. and, and you get removed from that. It isn't like you pick up where you left off. Just like someone who doesn't exercise for a year, well, guess what? It's kind of hard to get back on the track. Right. And it's similar in the workforce as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of this move towards uh, working from home? Well, I'm, I, I think so far, hopefully, I've avoided uh, offending any of our listeners, but I fear that might change now. I'm not a big fan of it. I've been quite critical. And, and let me give the first caveat. I recognize yeah. not every situation. By the way, I'm sympathetic. Okay. I, 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 there's a lot of reasons why I think going into the office or going wherever you go is important. It's, it, there's a huge social benefit involved. and Well, and how do we know cre- that? Creative. Where did it come from? People act as if we just randomly made up this notion that we would have offices people would go to to conduct business. And then, lo and behold, we had a global pandemic and we figured out that we had been doing it all wrong for 50 years. Traditions and norms and conventions don't come about that way. We built the system that way because it was good for business. It was good for work-life separation. But the three words I use all the time are culture, brand, and collaboration. And in my business, our culture is vital. The way we interact with one another, the chemistry we have, the positive energy. And I think most businesses, I recognize that there are some that may be an active culture, may not be as important to the business model. But then I also think from a brand standpoint, you can't develop a reputation and an image and that sort of branding in the marketplace when everyone's off at home working in their pajamas in their own separate context. But then if even if people don't buy my argument on either culture or brand, collaboration to me is the, is the deal maker. Um, young, I can't fathom. I, myself working in Wall Street and being in financial services my whole career – the idea of not having senior people that I could observe and be mentored by and listen to and the natural organic interaction yep. between traders and analysts and people in a in this sort of portfolio management context, that's how people learn to work in finance. And whether you're in the deal side of finance or whether you work in a marketing agency, there's a benefit to collaboration that requires physical presence. Yeah, yeah. that makes tremendous sense to me. Um, is the United States too far gone economically? Well, okay, here is my answer. No, uh, there is always a potential for repentance and improvement. Um, I will say the sooner that we stop digging in the ditch, the sooner that we can begin to clear out the ditch. Yeah, yeah. Our problem right now is not that it's taking too long to clear out. It's that we haven't even stopped digging yet. Yeah. We're still trying to go backwards. Um, But I will say we're too far gone in this sense. The economic repair from the damage done has no chance of being pain-free. I don't know what the pain will be, what the magnitude will be, what shape and size it will take. But there will be pain one way or the other. Um, The best precedent we have for a nation that gets to this point is Japan. 
Um, they're at 250% debt to GDP. We're at about 130%, far higher than what we've averaged, which at one point, post-World War II, we got all the way down to 30%. Yeah. We ran it back up to 70 or 80, and everyone thought that was just incredibly dangerous, which it was, and now we've pushed that 80 up to 130, and yet we're still half at Japan's level, and Japan hasn't fallen into the ocean, and Japan hasn't ceased to exist as a society. However... They've had absolutely no growth for 30 years. Yeah. And that's and just. You, re- you remember when Japan, we thought Japan was going to be the our, dominant nation. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, you know, our, Donald J. Trump wrote a, a very famous op ed in the New York Times in 1987 saying, What are we doing? We're surrendering our economic vibrancy and supremacy to Japan. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, of course, at the time, that's really what, what it seemed was the case. My fear is that the United States, uh, you know, T.S. Eliot talked about it, ends with a whimper, not a bang. That we may just end up leaving our kids and grandkids no growth for a long time, and that's unacceptable. Yeah. David, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great talking with you again. Appreciate it. David Bonson, again, uh, new book, There's No Free Lunch, 250 Economic Truths. Uh, We've talked about Crisis of Responsibility. It was one of our top books a few years ago. So let me encourage you to get a hold of those volumes. We have them available in the online bookstore. I'm Al Cresta.